Today we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 6, and so let's go ahead and open our Bibles there. We're going to talk about uh, children in verses 1 through 3, and then the parents. And so Ephesians 6, um, before we dive in, I want to give you guys four verses to write down that I think um, are, are going to be helpful. The first verse is over in Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 14. Nehemiah 4, 14, where the Bible says, fight, fight for your families, fight for your families, for your children, for your house, you have to fight, because we are in a war, and the enemy is doing his part, he's fighting for your family, he wants your wife, he wants your husband, he wants your kids, he's fighting for them, so we got to fight back, Nehemiah 4, 14, fight for your family. And then Hebrews chapter 11, if you would write that verse down, it says that Noah moved with a godly fear and he built an ark for the saving of his house, for the saving of his household. And so, you know, God said judgment is coming. We're living in a time judgment is coming. Jesus is coming. Man, we don't know. It could be any day. And so Noah, he moved with godly fear. And think about how difficult it must have been. He built an ark. He built an ark. That must not have been easy, but why did he do? Why did he work so hard? Why was there this urgency? Why was there this movement? Why was there this godly fear? Because judgment was coming, and he knew his responsibility was to save his family. Listen, dads, husbands, I know you got a lot of things going on, but understand, there's nothing more important than that. And so Hebrews eleven seven built the ark fighting for your family. Now here in Ephesians, if you would go to Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 18, because like I said, there's four verses the Lord laid on my heart before we dive in. Right here it says in Ephesians 5, 18, and do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation or a wasted life, but be filled with the Spirit. And so, you know, before we were saved, we would drink and it would modify our behavior to do things that we didn't want to do, we shouldn't have done. But now that we're saved, the Bible says to not be filled with wine, but be under the influence of the Holy Spirit. And so now he's going to empower us. He's going to give us power beyond our own power, the power that we need to be, like we read in Ephesians 5, that husband, that wife, and now we're going to see that parent and that child. We can't do this without the power of the Holy Spirit. And so understand that. You guys drink in the Holy Spirit. Believe on this, the Lord Jesus Christ to be saved. Believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, one of the things I want to encourage you in, because when it comes to being under the influence of the Holy Spirit, don't doubt Him. Don't doubt the Holy Spirit don't quench the Spirit. Do you believe in this uh, available power, personal power of God? I pray that you don't quench the Spirit and you don't grieve the Spirit. And so don't doubt and don't disobey. If you're living in sin and you don't want to change, then you will not experience the power of the Holy Spirit. And so we got to make sure we don't doubt, we don't disobey. And I'm talking about living in consistent, insistent, resistant, persistent sin. You don't want to repent. Then you're not going to experience the power of the Holy Spirit. So again, you know, you're, we're fighting for our families. We're building the ark for the saving of our household. 
we're under the influence of the Holy Spirit because we can't do the family thing. And you might think, well, no, Manny, it takes the Holy Spirit to be an evangelist like Billy Graham. Yeah, it does, but it also takes the Holy Spirit just to be a father, just to be a husband, to be a wife, to be a parent, to be a child. See, we have to understand this. The Holy Spirit... And also, if you look at Ephesians chapter 6, in verse 12, it says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. And so, before we dive into the whole family thing, you've got to understand the Holy Spirit and the evil spirits. The evil spirits, we are not wrestling against flesh and blood. You look at your spouse, you look at your kids, you look at whoever it is that you're thinking about, and you're like, man, you know, I don't like them. Listen, we're not fighting against them. We are fighting against demons, evil spirits. And this is why we need, as it's kind of interesting to me how it's sandwiched in between the family fabric of society is sandwiched in between the Holy Spirit and the evil spirits. And so God help us. I mean, I don't think there is anyone here today who is interested in going to heaven without your family. What if they do good? What if they make a lot of money? You know, what if they become the most successful person on planet Earth? Who cares if they don't go to heaven? And so, Lord, give us wisdom how to do this and understand that as fathers, as parents, as children, as husbands and wives, we have this heavy responsibility. Tony Evans said, the saga of a nation is the saga of its families, magnified. Our culture is reaping the devastation of family disintegration. We need Paul's timeless words for children and parents. And you want to know something that's cool, you guys, is that God is going to do a good work. God is going to bless your children. God is going to bless your marriages. I believe that. That's why you're here. You know, you're here to hear the word of God because you're hungry for the word of God. And I believe it's going to make a huge difference. I really do. Because God is, even in my life, he says, okay, Manny, it's time to change. You've got to turn that corner. Okay, there's more for you and for your family. And you watch what God's going to do. I was uh, recently, was, I was encouraged by one of the little girls from Calvary Chapel, Almani, who's been just loved on by her aunt and uncle. Because again, you might be here, you don't have kids, but you have nieces, you have nephews. You can make a difference in their life, right? And so she's just been loved on by her aunt and uncle, um, they bring her to church. They bring her to Awana on Sundays at, at five, and it's so cool. She's five years old, and she attends public school. And so this past past week, one of her classmates was sick. I guess uh, she threw up in class. And so you know what this little five-year-old did? She gathered her friends in public school. She gathered them all together, and she said, "Let's pray for her." And so in public school, in kindergarten, even though it's against the law, (laughs) she led them in a prayer for their friend. And I think that's so cool, you guys. Isn't that cool? Praise God. (laughs) It reminds me of what someone once said, there are millions of Americans who are clever and fearless. They're (laughs) five-year-olds. And children, man, they're just so wonderful. You know, God first made man, but then a better way. He next made woman with wonder to display. 
But after this, his work was best. He made a child, and we were blessed. Of all created things, the loveliest are the life the little children bring. Huh? Aren't they cool? And yet, they're sinners. You guys know that, right? <laughs> you don't have to teach a two-year-old how to lie. They know how to lie. You don't have to teach a two-year-old how to be, you know, uh, possessive or, you know, that's mine. No, it's just there by inclination. It's called original sin. And that's why they need, they desperately need the guidance of their parents. And so look again, what we're reading, Ephesians 6 in verse 1, it says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Children, obey your parents. In the Greek language, it's a present tense imperative, which means a continuous command. And so really it should say, children, be always obedient to your parents. Always listen and obey. Children, they're not yet adults. And also any children who are offspring living under your parents' roof, you're dependent on them. Therefore, you're required to be obedient to them in the Lord. This Greek word right here, translated children, it speaks of an infant all the way up to a young adult in the Bible who's about to get married. So if they're under your house, they're under your guidance, right? And so they are there and they're to be uh, obedient to you in the Lord, which means a couple of things. First of all, uh, unless your parents command you to sin, you are obligated to obey them. That's what it means in the Lord. And so again, if your parents are supporting you, then you're called to be submissive. If you don't like the rules, the solution is simple, although we as parents, don't, we don't like it, but we'll have to make that stand. Listen, if you don't like it here, you have to get your own place because then by default, you become an adult. And so hopefully, uh, children would be willing to be submissive to their parents who support them if they're dependent upon them then they should be obedient to them. Kids need to know that and parents need to know that. Because if not, if it comes to a place where the parents are not you know, following the Lord and expecting obedience, then you lose what Joshua said. Hey, this is so important. It affects an entire nation. And when he challenged them at the end of his life, he said, you guys have to make a choice. Are you going to serve God? Or are you going to serve the world? Make your choice. But he said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And that's what the leaders of the home have to believe, have to say, have to make that stand. And so, again, in the Lord, unless they command you to sin, you got to be obedient. Secondly, in the Lord means that's just what Christians do. Christians need to know this command from God, and so do parents. You know, I think what happens a lot of times is parents don't believe this. Listen, mom, dad, don't relinquish that authority because if you do, then you relinquish the responsibility. Don't give up on raising them in the ways of the Lord because God, what God says, it makes sense. We must expect obedience. Sometimes you see a parent and you see the way his kids obey. 
And you know deep down in your heart, man, that's the way it should be. As a matter of fact, I think if more parents knew this command and how to the scriptural standard, then our children would be disciplined and thereby be disciples of Christ. That impacts the nation. Imagine if everyone in the church, every family said, you know what, I am going to live out my priority, my authority, my responsibility. And every family started feeling that love and feeling that, man, God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, is, man, God, you're moving in my house, in my house. And then what that does to the church and then what that does to the world. And that's why Tony Evans said the saga of a nation is the magnification of the families. You know, in the 70s, divorce went up by 70%. Imagine that. How does that change? It changes everything. Today, anywhere from 25 to 40% of all children are living under homes with just mom as the parent. Now, some moms, they're amazing moms. They do great jobs. I commend them. God's going to honor their effort, right? Because they are doing their best to raise their children in the ways of the Lord. But in God's creation, he said, I want a mom and I want a dad. And I want parents to know that they have that authority and they have that responsibility to expect, and it makes sense, to expect obedience. It's important for us. David Guzik said, this not only means that children have the responsibility to obey, but parents have the responsibility to teach their children to obey. If they don't listen to you, then they're not going to listen to authorities. That would be teachers who want to teach them. That would be law enforcement who wants to protect them. That would be a God who wants to save them, all because they didn't learn the whole heart of submission to their God-given authority. You know, when the Duke of Windsor was asked what impressed him most in America, he replied, the way American parents obey their children. Is that you? Is that me? You know, Warren Wiersbe said the modern version of Ephesians 6.1 would be parents obey your children, for this will keep them happy and bring them peace to the house. But it's contrary to God's nature. It's not right. What's right, God says, is for children to obey their parents. Uh, Paul, in the parallel passage in Colossians 3.20, he said, children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. And so it's the right thing to do in all things. It blesses God's heart. Even as Jesus, it's so, to me it's so cool how Jesus was subject to his earthly parents. You know, our great example. In Luke two fifty one, it says, Then he returned to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. And so again, look at verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. He says in verse 2, and now he quotes from the Ten Commandments, Honor your father and mother which is the first commandment with promise that you, it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. And so when it comes to kids, number one, you have to be obedient. You have to be obedient. Unless you live out on your own, you have to be obedient to your parents. Number two, no matter where you live, you always have to honor your parents. You have to honor them. And here Paul quotes from Exodus 20, verse 12. 
Deuteronomy 5.16, when Moses repeated the law, this is the fifth of the Ten Commandments. And it's interesting when you look at the Ten Commandments because the first four commandments have to do with our relationship with God. You know, there's only one God. We don't have any before Him. We have to make sure that we don't make any idols. That's commandment number two. Commandment number three, don't take his name in vain, right? And then commandment number four is to remember the Sabbath to keep it holy, right? That's the only one of the Ten Commandments that's not repeated in the New Testament. So uh, that's a little different now. But the fifth commandment, as he begins now to deal with those that we deal with, is to honor your father and your mother. And so to me, it's interesting the priority he puts in that relationship and that responsibility. Like right after God, you're dealing with mom and dad. To me, it's almost interesting that he doesn't you know, deal with husband and wife, although of course we know how huge that is. But he's saying you have to pass the faith on to the next generation. And so this is so huge when it comes to the commandments and the priorities that God gives. It's scriptural in the Old and New Testament. It's not just about obeying your parents, although that should uh, be taking place. It's about honoring our parents. And the Greek word right here, it, it means to properly assign value. It speaks of high regard and respect. It speaks of holding your parents to great esteem. He doesn't say unless, you know, they were mean to you. He doesn't say unless, you know, this and that and the other happened. He said, no, 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 they're your parents. Uh, you have to honor them, whether it be out of devotion or duty. There still is that place that they have in your heart of great esteem, of high regard. This is what he says to us as Christians, such a, an important thing. You know, a certain place in our hearts, a certain provision uh, when it comes to honoring our parents. First Timothy chapter 5, verse 4, it talks about how when your parents get older, um, you know, you take care of them. You know, you make sure they're, they're okay. Sometimes that's financial help. Um, hopefully, you were raised by parents who kind of provided for you. Now, there might come a day, although I hope it doesn't happen to me. <laughs> I hope I get raptured out of here before I get old. Um, but anyways, because my kids are going to say payback time, but, you know, <laughs> no, hopefully it's not like that. But if you're there, you know, you have to honor them. Uh, I, there has to be a place in your heart. There has to be provision kind of like in your pocket. And then there even has to be a certain protection because, you know, when our, our, our parents get older, sometimes they're, they're going to need that extra protection. The other day is kind of funny. I'll tell you guys real quick. I took my mom to, um, you know, have her dentures fixed. Um, then she wanted me to take her to Best Buy to buy a new TV. And I was joking, we went to Best Buy. And then, um, you know, we went to Starbucks. And so we're sitting on Starbucks. And she says, oh, can you look at my phone? Because something's going on with my phone. Now, some of you guys who have older parents, you know, they, they can't figure out the phone yet, huh? Have you guys noticed that? And so she's all, yeah, I'm getting all these messages from people on Instagram and Facebook and stuff like that. And I'm like, mom, you shouldn't reply to them. You know, because they're, they're trying to take your money. They're trying to get your personal information. They want to, it's just a scam, you know, but she's got all these people that she's talking to. So as a, as a, as an, as a son, I'm like, no, and you have to protect them, right? There was even one on, on Facebook Messenger. She's having a conversation with Carlos Santana. And I'm like, mom, it's not really Carlos Santana, mom. <laughs> She told, she told him, I love your music. And then he's like, oh, thank you. I you know, appreciate my fans and stuff like that. And I'm like, mom, it's not really him. <laughs> so all that to say, you know, eventually your parents are probably going to get older. If it's, and sometimes it's different. Sometimes the Lord calls our parents home. But to honor them 
has to do with that place in our heart, provision in our pocket. It has to do with protection over their lives. And so hopefully we have that understanding because, again, this is the fabric of society, the family, children being obedient to their parents, children honoring their parents. And I hope and pray that it starts when they're little, right? There's a promise, he says in verse 2, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. And so there, there's a promise here. You know, you want God, you know, to bless your life on earth? He says, hey, you know, obey them, honor them. God will bless your obedience. God will even honor the way that you honor them. He says right here that, you know, you're going to have a, a long life. Now, it's kind of interesting. I'm going to share this with you guys. Hopefully you don't get mad. But, um, you know, in the Old Testament, it was very, very, man, you're talking about you had to obey your parents. If you didn't obey your parents, you know what they could do? They can take you. They can take you to the city gates and they can say, hey, my, my kid, he's not listening to me. And you would tell the people, you tell the judges, and you know what they would do? They would stone them to death. Now, I know some of you are like, oh, I can't believe God would do that. You know, well, we don't read of it happening a whole lot because maybe the kids obeyed. They said, hey, I, I better listen because otherwise they might kill me, you know. I, I don't know. All I know is that that's how huge it was. So when he says, honor your parents, and you know, long life on earth, maybe it has something to do with that. Um, but, but I think primarily what it has to do is the way that your parents will give you good advice. You know, mijo, choose your friends carefully. Do your homework. Get good grades. Be home by 10 o'clock. Be careful when you drive. Don't do drugs. You know, I remember phases like, you know, boozers or losers or whatever it is, you know. One of my friends tells me the story. I thought it was kind of cool. His mom's advice, she said this, because he lived in a rough neighborhood. And she said, when, when the guys from the neighborhood, you know, they, they give him a hard time, you know what she told him? Mijo, run, run. <laughs> and I thought it was so cool that he did. He ran. God protected him. God kept him out of gangs because I tell you what, I have friends and I have you know, cousins that were actually killed uh, through gang violence. So one of my cousins was killed because he didn't do a job when he got out of jail by the, the Mexican mafia. And all I'm saying is that if you listen to your parents, I mean, there's kind of like not an absolute precept, but a general principle that you're going to live a longer life. Proverbs 3, 1 and 2 says, My son, do not forget my law, but let your heart keep my commands for length of days and long life and peace they will add to you. I like that. Not just long life, but, but peace. Uh, Proverbs 4, 10, something similar. Hear my son and receive my sayings and the years of your life will be many. And so, you know, children, um, parents need to know this too, but if you're here and you're a child, uh, two things. Number one, be obedient. Number two, um, honor your parents. But then in verse four, there's three things for fathers. Three things. Number one, do not provoke them. But do, number two, train them. And number three, admonish them. And so it's kind of interesting. Verse four, notice what it says. And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. 
And I, and I just love the beautiful biblical balance that God gives. God does say wives are supposed to be supportive and submissive as a wife, but he says, husbands, though, you got a lover the way that Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. Husbands, you got to die for her. And so it's kind of cool, the balance. And now he's saying, you know, children, make sure you're obedient, you know, to your, to your parents. But fathers, who would be the primary disciplinarian in the home, he says, you have to make sure that you don't irritate them, frustrate them, get them angry. And, and you know, just the, the wrath that's mentioned here through your inconsistent or unfair rules and regulations. You know, and we're going to see that sometimes, man, parents, unfortunately, fathers, unfortunately, they don't do it right. And God's saying, no, you have to do this like I do with you in a loving way. You know, Paul here, he actually shares some radical things in those days. Now, I want to encourage you to know that when you read the Bible, you have to read it to understand who it was originally written to. And when it was originally written. And so this book right here, written from Paul to the Ephesians, written in that first century Roman culture. And it was a very different back then. This right here was radical stuff. Women had no rights. Wives had no rights. And children had no rights. You know, if you were there in the Roman culture and a child was born, they could take you and they could, you know, after your child was born, they put it in front of the, the, the dad and then he had the power to make a decision right there whether or not he even wanted to keep the kid. He could sell the kid. He could um, have the child uh, killed. There, there was that authority that he had as a father. So there was no rights for the kids. But right here, Paul says, no, it doesn't work that way. You can't even begin to think about abusing your children or raising them in a way that would be unfair. And so it's a heavy responsibility. And to me, I think it's cool the way that God gives the kids that right. You know, he addresses fathers as the disciplinarians, and he gives to us in the Bible what I would call the nuclear family. One of the things that I pray that we would know is that God, when he invented family, he gave the mom, he gave the dad, and he gave the kids. And we need that. You know, we need that. Maybe there's someone here, and I've heard it, you know, and uh, sometimes it happens even in church, where you're a husband and wife, you got kids sometimes, and you're thinking about getting a divorce. And maybe, you know, you got different reasons. It's not adultery or abandonment or abuse. It's just like, you know, when you met somebody else, so you want to go in different directions. My encouragement to you is to work it out. My encouragement to you, maybe talk to a pastor. Talk to someone who can help you, come alongside of you. Because, like I said earlier, in the 70s, you know, divorce skyrockets, you know, 70%. I mean, it's just that's what's ruined our nation because these kids in jail and doing the different things they're doing, they don't have a dad. They don't have the dad to discipline them. And so what we find right here is God says, no, not, not two moms. You know, not, not two dads, and ideally not just one mom or one dad, although like I said earlier, sometimes people are in that position, and in the Lord, man, God will cover you with his grace. I've seen some single moms, I will say this, if you're a single mom, 
You know, pray for the Lord to bring a father figure into your child's life. They need that. Sometimes it's an uncle, and I've seen it, and it's beautiful. But they need a father figure in their life. And so looking at these things right here, Paul says, Mom, Dad, this is what your responsibility is. And, you know, that dad, he's strong, he's firm. It doesn't give him the right to be a shoving leader. You know, he has to be a loving leader. We read here, number one, that fathers are not to provoke their children to wrath. And this can happen in many ways, unfair or inconsistent discipline. You know, you exasperate or anger your children because you push them improperly or practices that are hypocritical. Uh, Charles Ryrie said, do not nag or arbitrarily assert authority. Expositor's Bible Dictionary says fathers are not to exasperate their children by unreasonable demands, petty rules, or favoritism. Such actions cause children to become discouraged. And that's the last thing you want, right? Colossians 3.21 says fathers do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. You know, if we provoke and come down too hard on them, if we're unfair and consistent, not only will they be irritated and frustrated and angry, but they will lose heart for a father will crush the spirit of his child. You know, they need that discipline, but they need it to be done in love and fairness and consistency. He says, don't provoke them to wrath. And literally in the Greek, it says, stop it. Just in case, there might be one dad here who's doing it that way. Right here in the Greek language, it literally says, stop doing this and start doing this. Bring them up, it says in verse 4. Bring them up, nourish them is the Greek word, in the training and admonition of the Lord. You know, when it comes to our kids, we have to bring them up in that training and admonition. The, the word means to nurture them, to, to nourish them. God is going to use you, Dad. God is going to use you, Father figure, whoever you are. God will use you to nourish the children, to nurture the children. You know, when we see this frequently in the scriptures where God says, stop doing that, start doing that, put off the old man, put on the new man. I mean, God wants godly offspring according to Malachi chapter 2, verse 15. You know, I don't know if I can think of anything more important in life than my family. I love the church. You know, I praise God for the things he's doing that. But, you know, that's not more important than my family. You know, and I still got my kids with me. And for that reason, you know, maybe not as much time to do other things. I've got, you know, the church and the Bible studies and my family and my mom. And so there's not a lot of other things. Sometimes people are doing a lot of other things. And we're neglecting our children. And so God right here says, no, Manny, stop doing this. Start doing this. Bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord, and you're going to see them, you know? And, and, you know, every kid's different, and they all have to make their own choices, but I want clean hands one day when I stand before God. And Warren Wisby said, this development of the boy Jesus is our example. We read in Luke 2.52, and Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. 
And I love that. Luke 2.52, here is the balanced growth, Wiersbe said, intellectual, physical, spiritual, and social. Nowhere in the Bible is the training of children assigned to agencies outside the home. No matter how they might assist, God looks to the parents for the kind of training that the children need. And so, you know, you're bringing them up, the Greek word nourishing, nurturing them. You're seeing them grow up. And I love the four things that are mentioned right here, the intellectual, the physical, the spiritual, and the social. That's what happened with Jesus. The wisdom, the stature, and the favor with God, that's a spiritual, and favor with man, and that's social. And so you're thinking, well, yeah, I'm sending them to that club, or, you know, praise God for our awesome youth team and group and they're pouring into the kids they're making a huge difference but you parents know right we all have to know that ultimately because we have them whatever 90 percent of the time that the responsibility is on us and so we have to ask the lord god how does that happen you know uh, for some people they might choose homeschooling they might choose private school i remember one dad he sold his house so that he could send his daughter to Christian school. Now, does that always work? No. Sometimes kids will go to Christian school and they don't, even, they don't even know the Lord. Sometimes they go to public school and they do. So you never put God in a box, but you always, always pray, God, what do I need to do so that my family goes to heaven? God will show you. You know, one of the things that we have to do is understand, man, Lord, help us. And some of you uh, ladies, it's so cool to see what God's doing. The church is growing because babies are being born. It's really cool, man. Babies are, you know, in the womb right now. Some are just, you know, recently born. Um, Now is our opportunity, you know, when they're like wet cement to raise them in the ways of the Lord. The great evangelist Yamudi was once asked, how many converts did you have last night? He said, two and a half, two and a half. And so one person said, oh, two adults and one child? And they said, no, two children and one adult. Because <laughs> when the child is converted, you get them hopefully their whole life. Proverbs 22, 6 says, train up a child on the way he should go, and when he is old, he won't depart from it. And that's the challenge for us as a church. Let me tell you right now, straight out, there is the challenge. Will our kids make it through children's ministry, youth ministry, and then into the sanctuary? That's the challenge, you know, because they're going to church and they're loving it because their hearts are, are tender and beautiful. But then things begin to change in a teenager's life. And then next thing you know, they're struggling with stuff, man. I, I so many things I was reading about. I don't even know if I should mention it or not. But, um, you know, um, 30, every 30 seconds, uh, a teenager tries to commit suicide. Every 30 seconds. United States of America. Every hour, someone under the age of 25 in United States of America succeeds in committing suicide. I mean, it's because part of it is because we're living in days that are darker and the demons are getting their way. And our part of it is because we as a nation have turned our backs from God so we're not experiencing the power that he provides. Listen, when God comes into your life and he gets a hold of that heart, he will give you life and that more abundantly. You know, I was actually reading this uh, study. It was done by Harvard University. I want to read it to you a little bit because it it gives a study about how when kids reach the teenage years, 
how they start tuning out their parents, especially their moms. It says right here, do you ever get the feeling that you're talking to a brick wall when you're trying to communicate to your teenagers? Well, a new study suggests that there may be some science to it after finding that teenagers' brains start tuning out their mother's voices around the age of 13. Researchers said this is because they no longer find it uniquely rewarding and instead tune into unfamiliar voices. And so here's what happens, sisters. When your child is in your womb, they hear your voice, and they love your voice. I mean, that's probably the voice they hear the most, right? And so they fall in love with you. And then so as a child, your voice is soothing, your voice is comforting, your voice is what they crave, right? But for some reason, they say that when you reach the age of 13, they studied this. It says right here, the study uh, by the Stanford School of Medicine used MRI brain scans to give the first detailed neurobiological explanation for how teenagers begin to separate from their parents. And it suggests that when your teenagers don't seem to hear you, it's not just that they don't want to clean their room or finish their homework. Their brains aren't registering your voice the way they used to. Imagine that, a scientific explanation. And so if you go on to read the study, it's interesting. You know what Harvard University says? It, they they kind of like, it's good. It's good. It's like your kids are growing up now and they don't need mom as much. At 13? <laughs> this crazy. You know, it goes on to describe it as healthy maturation. But, but, but what I would say is that's not the answer to do nothing about it, to accept it. You know what I, I think the answer is, and, and we're kind of seeing in the scriptures, is you raise them in the ways of the Lord, you raise them in the ways of the Lord, and then two things. Number one, you teach them to hear the voice of God. They, they might not hear your voice as much. I don't know how it works. Everyone's different according to the MRI brain scans. But, 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 but this mom on her knees, this mom who's taught her children all her life the scriptures, they learn to hear the voice of God. And then secondly, um, God hears your voice, mom, because you're praying for them. So I think someone needs to contact Harvard University and tell them what to do. Say, hey, we're not just going to accept this. Because I think, and you guys who have kids that are older, wouldn't you agree that they need you as a parent for the rest of your life? I mean, your parents love you. I mean, like a love, especially a mom's love. I mean, they're nothing like a mom's love. And so as, 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 as fathers, we're, we're, we're not provoking them to wrath or anger, frustration, irritation, through inconsistent discipline or unfair rules and regulations. No, on the contrary, what they're doing is we're nourishing, we're nurturing them, we're bringing them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. And so the word training here, it means correction. It means chastening. You know, Proverbs 19, 18 says, chasten your son while there is hope and do not set your heart on his destruction. And so Proverbs 13, 24 says, he who spares his rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him promptly. Proverbs 29, 15 says, the rod and rebuke give wisdom, but a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. And so there is going to be that aspect of discipline and every child's different. 
Have you, any of you guys ever had a kid that you didn't really have to spank, that you just kind of looked at them and they melted? No? Okay, maybe one. Um, so every kid's different, you know, um, but the Bible does say it's okay to spank them, okay? Dr. Spock, he's got a book that came out in 1946 that changed parenting, man. And basically, this guy, he, he premised his book on humanism, and he said that all children are born blank slates, and basically, you don't have to discipline them like that. Um, he basically said, uh, feeling good is more important than doing good, and independent thinking should be promoted over strict obedience or adherence to rules. But at the end of the day, all children inherently even know it. They're like, well, if mom and dad don't care, then neither do I. And this guy right here, he's part of the reason people bought it. They stopped disciplining their children that our nation is in the, the chaos that it's in today. The Bible says it's okay to spank them, okay? And so again, the Lord will show you. Usually if you think about discipline, the way that God does it with us, first it's verbal, right? He'll warn us, he'll say something to us, and so we do that to our kids. Then usually after that, um, it's circumstantial. So whatever, you take away their game or whatever, you give them time out, um, that's circumstantial. And if that doesn't work, then it becomes corporal. And so right here, he says, you know, you can use a rod. And that's why I always tell you guys, when you have children, don't hit them with your hands because your hand should be an instrument of love and affection, okay? So it's okay, though, to get a rod. And what I would encourage you to do is get kind of like a stick and drill holes in, in it like that. So that way, when you hit them right here, don't hit them anywhere else. Never leave a mark on your kids. Never discipline them out of anger, always explain to them, always do it in love, always do this in the spirit. But if necessary, sometimes it's necessary, you have to take that uh, rod of discipline to the seat of understanding, give a sting, give a sting. But again, like I said, never abuse. If a person doesn't like that, like Dr. Spock, or maybe you're out there, you don't, I don't like that, then you are disagreeing with God. See, God knows what's best for our kids. And, and then I will also say this, that eventually your kids grow out of that. And so next thing you know, you have a grown man fighting with a grown man. No, you have to be careful. There's only a certain window of time wherein we can exercise these things. And it's not always dad. Sometimes mom has her chancla right there. She's ready to go, right? The Lord will show you, Right? And so you know, this is part of the training, you guys. Training is teaching in action. It, it begins with teaching, and then it goes on to training. Notice the word right here, admonition. Bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. And so admonition, literally in the Greek language, it means putting something in their minds. And you must, we must put the word of God in their minds. And so that tells me something. If you don't have the word of God in your mind, then you won't be able to put it into their minds. As a matter of fact, something I learned, there's no such thing as illegitimate children, only illegitimate parents. 
So for us, we have to make sure, God, my responsibility is put that word in their heart, put that word in their mind, teach them the word. Deuteronomy 6, verse 7, you shall teach them diligently to your children, shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. It's repeated in Deuteronomy eleven nineteen. And so as you're going through life, you're sharing the word of God with them. And then as you instruct them, then you're able to train them. I have an illustration I want to show you guys. There's a book. It's called Rock and Roll Drum Beats. And so we have a little book right here. It's a really cool book. The reason why I bring that book up, part of it is because, did you notice our drum set right here? Someone donated the drum set. Okay, I want one of you guys to learn that drum set, okay? So anyways, there it is right there. But, you know, let's just say I said, okay, the way that you learn the drum set is by reading the book. That, how many of you guys would laugh? You'd be like, I think there's more to it, Manny, right? And that's kind of how it works. Reading the book is good, especially if you want to become a professional drummer because you have to know how to read music. And so reading the book is important. Having the Bible instilled in your mind in the academic uh, fashion is important, but it's not enough. It takes not just teaching, but it takes training, right? And so what that would mean is that then we take you over here and we say, okay, Hop on the set, man, get the sticks and, and play and you show them what the beats are, what the hi-hat is, what the snare is, hit that tom. And then not only that, but then you, if you're a drummer, you would do it yourself. You show them. You show them how to follow the Lord. You show them how to love Jesus. You show them how to read your Bible. You show them how to pray. You show them. And then you're there alongside. It's the way it works. See, the way it works is our kids are born and they're born, you know, they need structure, they need discipline, they need authority. And so you establish that, not in a, in a rough, vigorous way, but in a beautiful, loving way. I'm your parent, I'm going to take care of you. Please be obedient to me because I love you. And then when you establish the authority, then you can start teaching them because you can't teach them if you don't have any authority over them. But then as you're teaching them, then the next phase is you are then coaching them. Because you can't coach, because eventually they're old and they're on the sidelines and you're dropping them off at the movies and you're praying, God, protect my child. I can't go and live their life for them now. So you're on the sidelines. Have you established that authority? Did you teach them? Now you're coaching, right? But at the end, hopefully it all ends up where you become friends. Because sometimes what parents want to do is they want to be friends in the beginning. And God is just saying, no, you have an authority and a responsibility to be their father and to be their mother. And it's so cool. You see, sometimes it just works hand in hand. Children are like lumps of clay. And so we have to do our best to mold them in the way the great potter prefers. Don't neglect them. Give them all the attention they deserve, but do so in the way God demands. Care enough to commend them. I like this. Commend them when they succeed. That's so important. Good job. Good job. You commend them when they succeed. Encourage them when they struggle. You can do this. You can do this. Correct them when they sin in love, but don't frustrate them with inconsistent uh, discipline, or maybe comparisons. Oh, why can't you be like so-and-so? That is how you'll crush their spirits. Protect them 
but don't be overprotective. Have expectations, but make sure they're not the expectations of the world or even your own. Listen to them from the heart and remember that children spell love, T-I-M-E. You must, you must pour into them by spending time with them. We can't do this if we ourselves are not right with God. And that's why I pray uh, we, we love you guys. We want the best for you. We want you to go to heaven. We want you to experience the taste of heaven on earth. My prayer is that if you're here and you're not in the right relationship with God, that today you would just say, Lord, I'm done with that life. I want to follow you. I want to follow you, Lord, with all my heart. He'll meet you there. The Bible says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And one person said that the Christian life is simply a series of new beginnings. Maybe you're here today and you need a new beginning. God will meet you there because this is so important. You have your kids. You have your nephews. You have your nieces. You have your family. And we have to live this life. And John Locke said, parents wonder why the streams are bitter when they themselves have poisoned the fountains. Ouch. My prayer is that that wouldn't be true of us. But I need to say this. Maybe you are out there and you felt like up to this point, I haven't been that dad. I haven't been that mom. I haven't been that Christian. Well, don't let the enemy beat you up by looking back. You learn from that. But today, God will give you a new beginning. But you got to be real. You got to be serious in your commitment to him. How can we produce godly offspring if we ourselves are not godly? Well, my prayer is that we would make a decision to be that. Even now. Right where you're at. I mean, I know you're hungry and I know you want to leave and I know you have plans. But has that been settled in your heart? Are you for him or against him? My prayer is that, Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. Thank you for raising yourself up from the grave. Thank you for loving me. You've always, always taken care of me. And so, Lord, help me to live my life for you. Not just half-hearted, not just some of the time, but I give you my life. Do with my life what you please. I pray that's you. I pray that's us.